2: The Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody. It is May 13th, Friday the 13th. Very spooky. 2022, and it is indeed... A heck of a morning, live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, and soon to be heard across the globe on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. There's something special about a Friday, even when you cover MMA. Friday's just just a fun day. Maybe Friday the 13th kind of changes things up a little bit, but not for me. I'm a happy camper on this Friday. It's a little rainy, a little dreary here in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and... I gotta tell you, a lot of people are upset that it's raining. I'm not upset that it's raining. I am a horrible seasonal allergy sufferer. And in Massachusetts where I lived for my entire life until August of last year, you only had to deal with allergies for like three months. Here you gotta deal with them freaking all the time. It's like nonstop allergy season. So I'm just a mess. So I probably sounded like all congested. My face is on fire like every single day. It's a little rough, but this rain will kind of wash all that crap away, at least for a couple of days, and I'll feel a little bit better. But you're not here to hear about my, my allergies and what I'm allergic to seasonally. You're here to talk some MMA. And this is a free-for-all Friday on this Friday the 13th, which means your questions, your thoughts, your takes – all morning long, whether it be about UFC Vegas 54 tomorrow, headlined by Jan Blachowicz versus Alexander Rakic. Could be about Bellator 281, which is headlined by Michael Venom Page versus Logan Storley for the interim welterweight title that's going on this afternoon in London, England. Paul Daly's final fight, Leona Machida versus Fabian Edwards on the card as well be it should be a raucous crowd which is always fun to be a part of we still have the aftermath of ufc 274 i was gonna say 254 but 274 what's going on with charles Oliveira? what's gonna happen we have a whole bunch of new fights that are signed and booked for ufc 276 whole bunch of fights just throughout the summer that have been signed sealed and delivered or at least are in the works there's a lot to talk about right now it's uh very interesting time in the sport of mixed martial arts. So request, let's get this going. Don't make me talk to myself for an hour because that's just going to be probably a boring show for all of you. And, I mean, I can hear myself talk forever, so it'll be fine for me. And don't forget, I see my best friend Alexander Kaylee in here. Noon Eastern, I believe. The UFC Vegas 54 weigh-ins will actually be doing a live show. Jose is going to be there. AK and I will be basically doing some – uh some radio-style commentary in the background, and we're just going to have some fun. And then we get a preview show like right after that. So it's going to be a very busy day, and it all starts right now. It all starts with you, Tristan Gordat. You are the first voice on the program this morning. How are How you? How are you doing,
3: Mike? What's going on? Uh, yesterday I was listening to BTL, and Mike, I, I, I got to agree with Jed Michaud on this one, man, uh, about uh, um Alexander uh, Volkanovsky, like, It'll just – I got I don't. I don't want him moving up to lightweight to fight um, Charles Oliveira right now. Listen, you still got more work to do in that featherweight division. I mean, there's fights I still want to see him against. He's going to go against Max Holloway. Okay, after Max Holloway, there's there's some other, there's some other fights that, that I'm interested in. But I don't take it versus Yair Rodriguez. You know, get the, you, know, you want to fight that, get the winner of that. I mean, uh, if you want – Calvin Kidder, he's going to be fighting – Fighting, so he's gonna be. Uh, I believe he's fighting Josh Hammond, you know. So, there's more matchups to make up in that featherweight, featherweight division that he he, he needs to. Um, that I don't wanna see him fight, you know. Another people, Bryce Mitchell, Bryce Mitchell's like two fights away. He's about two fights away, and you're very high on him. And you saw what he did to Edson Barbosa with that chain wrestling. I wanna see Volkanovski deal with that. So, I think he has so much work to do. There's nothing, I know, I'm gonna be the old man, get off my lawn. But there's a reason why George St. Pierre, you know, that people love him because he went on that run. He was like next man now back. It was a different time, but next man up. That's all. I, that's all I want to hear. from Volkanovski. What this is because here's the thing: of son. He's like, I want to dominate this middleweight division. Next man up. Who? I'm fighting Janet Kennedy. Okay, done. Next man up. I'm going. I want Volkanovski at that point where you go on a, a run in the featherweight division and then later on. All right, let me go to lightweight. I want, let's do the double champion but for right now he's got work to do I don't want to see him face Charles right now Charles listen Charles said he's going to fight till December let him fight you know December like you said Islam now I know Jed wants Islam and Charles I wouldn't be I don't wouldn't mind that either but Charles is like listen I'm going to fight in December or January okay have Islam fight Benio in October in Abu Dhabi okay and then January 2023 have that fight, fight is big, let's do this, and that's that. I mean, you know, these guys got to be, I mean, listen, again, I'm going back to back in the day where it's just like next man up, next man up, next man up, but it's different now. You got, you know, you'll see how they build fights. Do people want to see it? You know, I know, you know, it's all about the pay-per-view. It's all about the building the hype and things of that nature. But as for as for Volkanovsky, Volkanovsky should have the mindset of Israel Adesanya right now and saying next man up. Next man up, I'm going to dominate this featherweight division. Next man up, I'm going to beat all these guys. And then to the point where you beat all these guys, you're like, and there's no one left? Okay, now I'm up to the lightweight. Because the thing about it, if he goes through all these guys, he's got, what, seven, eight, nine straight defending the title. And, and you know, I know Jed's not going to want to, you know, doesn't want to hear this. But you get to the point where Alex Woganaki is the greatest, you know, featherweight champion ever. I mean, I can't say Jose. He was saying Jose Aldo, but Jose – Jose uh, did his uh, thing and bought the bantamweight, but he, he's going to have to take the claim that. Volkanovski, I am the best featherweight champion ever in the UFC because I beat all these guys. So that's my thoughts about it,
2: you know, uh, with the whole thing, okay? So I just want to hear, hear your
3: thoughts as well. Go ahead.
2: All right. Tristan leading us off with some, with some heat. Yes, I have advocated that Alexander Volkanovski should be at least an option for Charles Oliveira. Now, there are some things that come into play with this whole situation. Okay, one, Volkanovski has to beat Max Holloway on July second, hundred percent. Obviously, we're not gonna we're not gonna remove that fight, and that's a very big if. Two, the guy is eleven and zero in this division. He's beat Max Holloway twice. He beat Jose Aldo. He beat Chad Mendez. He beat Darren Elkins, who was on a run. He beat Jeremy Kennedy, who was on a run at the time. He had pitched a perfect game against the Korean Zombie. I mean, this guy has done everything you have asked of him. And he's always had that mentality of next man up, next man up, next man up. But, I mean, he's we're going back. Here's the issue with this division. It's a very deep division. In, in about two years, featherweight is going to be really interesting when we have Arnold Allen in the title discussion. We have Bryce Mitchell in the title discussion. We have Ilya Taporia and the Avloyevs and guys like that. All those guys are going to be in the mix, and Volkanovski is going to have a whole bunch of different kinds of challengers, which is why I'm saying now is probably the time to do it. Because you listed off a lot of names there, Tristan. You listed off Calvin Cater, you listed off Josh Emmett, you listed off Bryce Mitchell, and there's other names that I mentioned as well. But here's the thing about most of those names. You're looking at several fighters who are not all that active, Bryce Mitchell especially. Bryce mitchell could be is a super talented guy I could see a world where this guy fights for a championship but I could also see a world where he doesn't fight for a championship for like three years because he's not that active he gets he's so good but he gets hurt in like every single fight it's like a year between fights every single time and it's rough man it's rough when that happens so we're not quite ready for this second this next generation of of featherweights to come up Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater winner is probably the next guy in line. But again, we're looking at two guys who are not overly active. And what's, what does Volkadov do you want this year? He wants to be active. He wants to fight three or four times this year. Does he get guaranteed that fighting the winner of Cater versus Emmett? I don't know. Because something tells me with the durability of those two guys and the way those guys fight, I wouldn't be shocked if this is the last time we see either of those guys this year, unless it's a quick finish, but we're talking about two guys who don't really get finished all that often. And if they do, it's a horrific fashion. So we're talking about, I mean, this could be a case where Volkanovsky, let's just say beats Holloway. He's waiting. He's waiting all this time to fight and he just wants to fight. So if Oliveira is ready to go, and you still want to do Makachev versus Dariush in October, which I am an advocate of doing because, again, while I understand people wanting Islam to fight for the belts and it's, I wouldn't be upset about it, it's a very interesting fight, the UFC is thinking about this in a way that that I would think about it. We're building Islam up. We're putting him in a position where there's, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Because what happens... What happens if they book this fight right? Let's just say they book it in September and Oliver runs over Makachev. What's everyone going to be saying? Oh, man. See? He should have got that top five win before you put him in a title fight. Too quick. Too soon. So there's just options. All I'm saying is if you're going to do this Volkanovski fight for the lightweight title thing, you do it now because in a year when the Mitchells and the Taporias and the Avloyevs and all those guys come up, He's going to be very busy. He's going to be active. He's going to have a lot of interesting challenges ahead of him. Right now, yeah, Emmett's a new matchup. Yeah, Cater's a new matchup. And both of those guys would probably earn a title shot with a victory on June 18th. But I'm just saying, like, this is, not, this is me having fun. This is me saying, UFC, let's think outside of the box. Let's get Chucky Olives a fight. Let's try to make this man happy. Let's get Volkanovski a fight. Let's try to make this man happy. And if Volkanovski loses to Charles Oliveira right now, it's not the end of the world. Look at what happened. Look what happened with Max Holloway. Fought Dustin Poirier. He lost four rounds, clearly. But it was an exciting fight. And Holloway stocked it and dropped it all in that fight. Not even a little. And the same thing would happen to Volkanovski. He went in there. They had an exciting scrap for as long as it lasted. Volkanovski wins. He's a two-division champion, which is a great story. And if he loses, it's not a big deal. Unless he gets absolutely trucked, and I don't think he can get absolutely trucked in that fight. I would favor Olivera to win, but his stock doesn't drop all that much. All we're doing is moving this division forward a little bit. We're still doing Islam versus Benil. Winner gets the title shot. That's just my thought. I could be completely wrong. That that That's just, that's just an option for me. That's an option. It's not gospel. I'm not b- going on... DraftKings sportsbook are good friends where everyone should be placing their wagers and saying, this is what's going to happen. This is just a thought, an interesting thought of thinking outside the box while we let the rest of this division play out. Let's see what Islam does against Benil. If he beats Benil, then again, right now, there's a front runner, but we're also like, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? This guy has a case. If Islam beats Benil, there is nobody else. It's Islam and no one else. There is no... Oh, what if Connor comes back? There is no "what if" Connor comes back. That's it. It's over. It's Islam and nobody else. That's just a, a, an out of the box idea that I've that I've pondered. Plus, Volkanovski just wants to be active, and I think this guy deserves anything he wants at this point. He's he's one of the best fighters in the world. He's top three in my eyes, pound for pound. He's one of the top three best fighters on the planet. Let's get our man Chris in here. Christopher, what's up, my man? How you doing, Mike? What's up, buddy? Yeah, all good. Um, In keeping with the theme of lightweights, I was just wondering what you think would happen to Michael Johnson if he loses this weekend, because obviously he's on a four-fight skid. Um, Can you see him getting cut, or is there still value in Michael Johnson? Thank you, Christopher. Um, What's crazy, I'm going to say something that a lot of you may not agree with, but I'm going to say he doesn't get cut if he loses. Because he does still have value. I don't know if Alon Patrick is the guy that would create the value, but there are, but for like a guy like, uh, I mean, I know Terrence McKinney has a fight, but when you have a guy like a Terrence McKinney who is making moves in the division, got people excited. Pairing him up with a guy like Michael Johnson doesn't hurt you. you. You're favored against a guy who was the top ten lightweight at one point in his career, and a win over Michael Johnson, despite the skin that he's on, still has some sort of value. People look at names as much, if not more, than records. So I still think there's some value there. It's not like Michael Johnson's fighting five times a year and he's taking spots from other fighters on other cards. We, we don't get him that often. So I don't think he gets cut. I mean, you can make the argument. He could maybe just say, I'm done. I think that's more likely than the UFC cutting him. But again, I just think there's a value. He's not there that often, and you know he's in a perfect spot to put young talent over. Kind of an interesting matchup here, but I don't know. I think Patrik has a has a good chance to win this fight, and it wouldn't shock me if Michael Johnson won this fight. Al- Alon Patrick is the kind of guy who likes to step on his own foot in these fights, and Michael Johnson is just wily enough to take advantage of such a thing. I mean, what an honor this is. The best friend hopping on in. What's up? Oh, I'm live.
1: Oh, it's weird. It cut off. It cut off your last uh, comment. uh, You're going on about Alan Patrick and Michael Johnson, so I didn't hear the end of it. Uh, Hello, hello, my best friend. Good morning. Good morning, buddy. Good to have you. Good morning to you, sir. (laughs) Really, I just want to call and say you've been doing a spectacular job with this show. I mean, my goodness, you are on the grind all the time and cranking out this high quality work. And I think you are like the perfect morning MMA person. I don't think anyone would, right? I don't think anyone would disagree. That's my uh, thank that you, was, AK. Really, I mean, I asked their like, questions for really the statement. That's it. That's really
2: <laughs> Well, thank you AK. Uh, I appreciate that and uh
1: yeah. Uh, a ahead. couple of things. Well, one, I'm sorry, did, Are they not asking if Alan Patrick might get
2: cut if he uh, he's uh
1: he's a bit up there in a- <laughs> I
2: think I think his job is right? on the line more than I think his job's on the line more than Michael Johnson's,
1: yeah. if we being honest. Neither guy has won in a long time. Uh, I think I'm talking, and I should have written this down, but at, at least I think a year, a couple of years for both guys. Anyway, uh, Mike, you know I'm usually the the prince of positivity, but I did want to ask you kind of a fun question. It, it Maybe other people won't think that it's the same way. Uh, obviously, the biggest bummer of the weekend was the uh, Rose Navajunis. Carlos Barza rematch. The less said, the better. I think we've all kind of had our two cents about it. And, you know, nothing, not a lot nice to say about it. And the interviews that have come out after have kind of even made it worse. What was the, Mike, what would you say was the second biggest bummer of last week? And I'll throw out three options. Uh, Ray Cooper missing weight by an exorbitant amount. And just being outclassed by a very good and talented uh, Carlos Leal. Uh, the Ryan bader czech Congo rematch, which would have been the talk of the worst title fight of the week if uh, the UFC 274 co event hadn't happened. Or the uh, Ovin St. Pru and uh, Shogun Hua rematch, which we all hoped would go differently than the first fight, and it did, but not in a good way. So of those three, what would you say was the second, the second uh, sort of worst <laughs> or most disappointing thing that happened last week?
2: Thank you, AK. I mean, my gosh, what, what what a tremendous call right there. My best friend coming through. Um, I'm going to choose other, which has to do with option C. I'm just going to uh, I'm going to piggyback off my man, Shaheen, here. The people booing Shogun. How dare you? How dare you? That was the second most disappointing thing. And, in fact, you can make a strong case that that's the first most disappointing thing from the weekend. Listen, I know the fight was not how should I put this nicely aesthetically pleasing, but I I just think we, I think we created this image for ourselves that we were just going to see two guys have kind of a slow fight. And then somebody is going to land something. And that person who got landed on would fall down and the fight would be over shortly after. Unfortunately, we didn't get any of that. And that's probably the fight we should have expected, but I just think we went in with such a positive mindset it was the Shogun. We were saluting Shogun throughout the week. We we're flashing back to 2005, one of the greatest years in the history of combat sports for any fighter, if not the greatest. In my opinion, it's probably the greatest. Match that 2005 up against any other fighter's year, especially at that time. Strength of schedule, where these guys are at in their career. Match that up against anybody else. You'd have a hard time. you have a hard time making a case against Shogun for what he did. So, I think we've reflected a lot on his career. We were proud of the accomplishments that he put together. We we felt like young fans again, especially those of us who who watch Pride and love Pride so much. And just to see the Phoenix crowd just boo him out of the building, as um, is, is bad as that fight was, it's just... Come on now. Come on. Even in like the WWF when Hulk Hogan can't even run the freaking ropes, we still cheered the guy. We knew this guy couldn't work a lick, and we still cheered the guy because we... We respected what the man did earlier on in his career, and listen, OSP has not engaged in any sort of fun fight, at least on his end, in quite some time. So, listen, this is the fight we probably should have expected. It was disappointing to hear Shoka getting booed, uh, but all those other picks, AK was were were quite disappointing because I was on Bellator duty on Friday, let, this a week ago today, and I had to watch that fight. And I had to recap that fight, and it was like two paragraphs long for 25 minutes. It was just Ryan Bader did this. Second round, he did the same thing. Third, more of the same. Fourth, the same thing. Fifth, Congo came out aggressive, but then it was the same thing. And Bader won the fight. Next thing. <laughs> it, was, it was like 87 words a uh, whole fight for 25 minutes. But, yeah, all those things are disappointing. Boy. It was such a roller coaster of a weekend, wasn't it? Because the highs were really high and the lows were super freaking low.
0: and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: All right, let us move it. Let's get our man Wildlife Fight Club back on the program. Good to see you, my man. Good to hear from you. What's up? Make
4: sure you're on mute.
5: There he is. What's
4: Good, up? man. I, I appreciate you, man. You got the best talk show in the morning for sure. Um, so I just want to touch on a few things we talked about this morning, get your thoughts on it. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Charles. I think he's – man, I'm super high on him. I think he's one of the best best fighters at that weight class maybe ever. I mean, if you look at his, his track record. But uh, I think I personally, and I don't know about you, I kind of maybe undervalue or don't appreciate Islam enough. If you look at the people he's fought at the high level and how he's done it, uh, it's pretty amazing. I think after the Armin fight, maybe people got down on him because you know Arman stepped in. But Armin's a stud too. Uh, but I checked the odds this morning, even before jumping on the show, and the opening odds for uh, Charles versus Islam is Islam's anywhere from like a minus two seventy-five to minus favorite against Charles. I think that's the biggest challenger uh, over champion odds ever in Vegas history. If if, it, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, I'd have to recheck again. Uh so yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Is Islam somebody we're underappreciating as an MMA community? Or or is that just uh, or what's your thoughts on that? Appreciate you, man. Thank you, Wildlife Fight Club.
2: I don't think we're I don't think we're undervaluing and underappreciating Islam. The problem with Islam is and listen, he has done everything he's needed to do here. He's got out and fought these fights and he's won. And for the most part, he's done so in dominant fashion. Yes, the Armand fight was interesting, and it that, but that that win aged maybe as well as any win he has on his resume right now because we've seen the fighter that Armand Sarukian has become since then, and we see what Armand Sarukian is going to become over the next few years. And in my opinion, and I've said this for even b- before he signed with the UFC, Armand Sarukian will be a UFC champion. There is no doubt in my mind that this guy will win the championship. And I think he gives Islam a lot of problems on a full camp when he's ready to fight for the belt, like a year and a half, two years from now, when, because it's going to take Arman a a little while, because again, kind of throwing him in the mix of guys like Marab Willie, guys like Romanov right now, who's on his way up. He's going to have a hard time finding fights. There's not going to be a lot of guys in the top 10 who are going to be like, yay, let's fight Armand Sarukyad. I want that fight. From what I understand, the initial plan was to do Sarukian versus Gregor Gillespie on that June 25th card. And Gillespie, for some reason, didn't want that fight. I mean, I don't know for sure what his thought process was, but um, I know that fight was was on the table. It didn't happen. And now we get Matush Gamrot, which is a ridiculous fight. Absolutely insane. I hope that one headlines that card. Because uh, I don't know what's going to headline it at this point. There's, op- I mean, there's, there's certainly some, some options you could throw in there. But I mean, I wouldn't mind giving those guys the rub, giving them five rounds because that is a five round worthy fight, in my opinion. But for Islam, again, the one knock on him, and this is not his fault because he's gotten these opportunities, he's been matched up with these guys. The fight just hasn't happened. He's been matched up with RDA, fight didn't happen. He's been matched up with and the fight hasn't happened here's the thing islam has a very good chance of being charles all but if you're going to crown islam let's make it as big as possible let's not cast any shadows or doubt upon it if he wins the title die yeah we're going to be like all right dude this guy's the best lightweight in the world and it's an interesting fight right now hundred percent it is a super interesting fight and you can make a strong case that it's that Islam is the top guy in this conversation to fight Charles Oliveira. No doubt about it. But in my eyes, let's just give him one more win. And let's. This is a recency bias sport. Let's give him the Dariush fight. If he goes out and beats Dariush, there is no other discussion. There is no other name. Cotter, no, none of these names matter. It's Islam and no one else. And that fight becomes much more interesting if he beats Benil Dariush which he probably, which he has a good chance of doing. And what happens if Benil Dariush wins? I feel like Benil Dariush is the... If, if we're asking who's being undervalued and overlooked here in this conversation, it's Benil Dariush, and it's not even close. It's 1,000% Benil Dariush that's being overlooked here. Seven-fight win streak. His strength of schedule is better than most in this conversation right now. Islam has done it in such dominant fashion, but so has Benil. So has Benil. He's just been hurt. And it seems like he would be ready to go in October. I think this is the fight that happens. I don't think the UFC is going to go away from this fight, especially if, all, especially if Oliver is not going to fight till December. You're going to see Islam fight Benil. I think we're going to see that in October because Islam's fighting on that Abu Dhabi card. He's not waiting for the title shot in December. He's going to fight in October. And then knowing Islam, if he's probably going to think he's just going to run over Benil. And then he can fight for the belt after that. So, I mean, I don't see an issue with waiting. One more fight. One more win. Get that marquee win. Shut up everybody else who says, well, he doesn't have that marquee win. And then you fight for the belt. And it's a bigger fight. Like, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Jed's probably going to disagree with me. Everyone's favorite everyone's favorite voice. Mr. Doe Gray area himself. Jed Bashu
6: hello sir hey mike first time long time uh just just wanted to weigh in here on your uh slander of islam mogachev and trying to deny the best lightweight in the world the title (laughs) uh it's it's not a great idea Uh, mainly because you know in concept mike i just disagree with you entirely because you know, you never know what's going to happen, and if if we decide, or by we, if the UFC decides that they really want to stick to this, and then Islam fights Benil in October, well, that's a quick turnaround for a potential December fight. And you already spoke about it, but Alexander Volkanovski making overtures to go up to the lightweight, you know, get try and get a second belt, and so if they don't strike now while the iron is hot, there's a scenario where Islam. Beats the hell out of Benil Dariush, which I think most people expect, and has gained very little other than shutting up some of the internet's worst people, <laughs> and and now we're stuck waiting another year until he fights the winner of Oliveira Volkanovski or, God forbid, Volkanovski Connor for the lightweight belt or something like incredibly stupid. And it would be the same thing as the Habib thing, all over again, where Habib was the best lightweight in the world for like four years before he got the title. So that's my big take. Love to hear your thoughts. Um you have a great you have a heck of a morning, sir.
2: Thank you, Jed. And shockingly he uh he disagreed with something I had to say. Listen. Here's the thing. Habib had to wait for a long time to fight for the title, but it also made him A bigger star if that makes sense it took unfortunately we are missing the best years of habib's career in my opinion because i don't think we he's hit his he even hit his prime or even probably even close to it so we missed out on a lot but yeah we had to wait a little while for for habib but once habib got the title i mean obviously some some interesting dominoes fell into place for him with the whole connor situation and the dolly incident and all that stuff so i mean that clearly enhanced things a little bit but at the same token, you can't deny that Habib be became when he retired. He was a massive star. He was a big star. They played the waiting game, and you can make a compelling case that it paid off. That it paid off here. And again, I just I don't know. I just don't know if there's a huge rush. Like if you do it now, like first of all, the Volkanovsky idea comes comes into play because there's no way the UFC is going to wait till December to have Oliveira fight. There's no way Oliveira, you know. He missed weight. He got stripped of the title. He is right now the best lightweight in the world. You can't argue that. I mean, maybe you could sit there and be like, on paper, maybe you feel like Islam is is bigger. But here's the, the other thing that I mentioned earlier. What if they just go ahead and do Islam versus Oliveira? What if they go ahead and do it? And let's just say Oliveira goes out and just runs him over. Let's just say Makachev gets a big takedown slams him, landing ground and pound, and then Oliveira catches him in something crazy, submits him in the first round. What's everyone going to be saying? See? This is why you shouldn't have given him the title shot. Doesn't have a top five win. You rushed him in too quick. See? There's always that way of thinking in MMA. But if Oliveira goes out and beats Darius in October, which I still believe the UFC is going to go that route, there's no question. There's no Conor. There's no nothing. But no one's wrong here. No one's wrong. If they go ahead and just pull the trigger on Oliveira versus Islam. Cool. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm intrigued by that fight. I am. But I just want to see what happens if. I just want to see Islam against Darius. And, the, and I think the reason why I want to see that fight so badly is because I feel, like I said before we took this call, I feel like Darius is kind of getting the short end of the stick here. Because he's certainly in this conversation. He's earned the right to be in the conversation. But guess what? He's not being mentioned at all except for maybe scoring a fight with Islam, which is kind of nuts considering the run that this guy is on right now. And I had somebody reach out to me saying like, how much you paying, there or how much is Dariush paying? He's paying me nothing. But one of the questions you got earlier is, is Islam being overlooked here? No, I don't think he's being overlooked at all. It's just a matter of, do you want to just give him now or when he beats Dariush? That's, that's what people say. Like there's, if he fights Darius, Darius has no chance of beating him. That might be true, but I don't know. That's why I, I want to see the fight. Like, let's just make a clear-cut number one contender. Winner fights. That's it. You can do a whole bunch of different things. If you want to th- I mean, the Connor idea is dumb, but it's good business. It just is. As much as we'll complain about that fight being made, it's tremendous business for the company. But I just don't know if the UFC is going to let Oliveira wait till December. And let me just throw this out there. Oliveira is like, I'm fighting in December and I'm fighting in Brazil in December. No, you're not. Cause the UFC is not going to do you any favors right now. They might give you your pay-per-view points. They might treat you as a champion, but they're not going to do you any favors. They're not going to let you wait till December. And they're probably not going back to Brazil for a pay-per-view in December. I would be surprised if that does happen, but we'll see. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of questions to be answered in this whole situation. That's for sure. Let's get the humble kid in here. What's up, humble kid? Just make sure you unmute.
7: Hey, how's it going? How's your morning going? Wonderful. How are I'm you? Good. I just had putting out any statements about like you know what they want or calling for that Islam fight or even calling for that Charles fight. And I just feel like there's so many moving pieces that like, so many things can go right, but so many things can go wrong. Like, um, the Max Holloway fight. What if Max Holloway wins? What if uh, Benil just starches Islam? You know what I mean? There's so many different parts. And I don't think Connor or Diaz is going to fight at 155. And I don't think you, the UFC is going to Brazil because of COVID. And I just feel like there's just so much confusion. Like, who knows what could happen? It's really, really just craziness.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's a tremendous point right there because we could all sit there and fantasy match all we want, but we have no idea what's going to happen. We literally have no clue what's going to happen. Oliveira wants this. Islam wants this. Badil wants this. Connor wants this. Chandler wants this. I mean, everybody wants different things. Everybody has different timelines. Everybody has different. I, I don't know. It's just it's just a strange situation, and I, this could go a million different ways. This could go a million different ways, and this is why I say I had a conversation with the gentleman who gave me a bunch of crap about the Oliveira being stripped is dumb thing. Here's the thing about this show and about these types of discussions: none of us are wrong. None of us are wrong. If you feel like Oliveira being stripped of the title is dumb, fine. If you feel like Oliveira being stripped was justified, fine. It's okay. It's your opinion. It's your opinion. That's it. I mean, I'm not going to argue with if, if you say Islam is the guy and there's nobody else, cool. I think I think Islam is the most interesting fight, for sure. But if we're looking at it from a business perspective, how can we make this the biggest fight possible? You give Islam one more win and it becomes a bigger fight. Especially if he beats a guy like Dariush. And if Dariush wins, he slays the beast in Islam. That fight becomes much more interesting, too. I mean, there's no wrong answer here. Conor sliding in is a From a meritocratic standpoint, makes literally no sense at all. It's the, it's really stupid idea, but from a business sense, that pay per view does over a million buys, and it's probably the most bought pay per view for the UFC all year long. So, there's arguments to be made for a, a lot of different things. Even chant like, even though we just saw this fight, if you threw Michael Chandler in that slot. Maybe there'd be a collective like sigh and a groan at first, because you just like we just saw this fight, but in the end, we go back and look at Michael Chandler's four fights at the UFC and we'd still be excited about it. Let's be honest, we'd be excited about it. Even though he's probably the lowest ranked on this list to get this fight, we would still be excited about it. The guy has created that sort of buzz behind him and it actually wouldn't stun me if they went that direction. But I don't I don't know if they will, but it wouldn't stun me if they did. Let's get Patrick in here. And I see you, Henderson. You're on deck, my man. Patrick, what's up?
8: Mike. Patrick. What's up, kid?
2: What's up, dude?
8: What's going on? Uh, How the heck are you?
2: I'm good, man. What you got?
8: uh, The humble kid is a good uh, person to follow because, you know, Benil Darius, he's very humble. He's not really a needle mover. I think you give him the immediate title shot. I kind of agree with you. You Give him the immediate title shot with Charles Oliveira. If somehow he wins, now he's got that belt. That makes any fight with him moving forward in this division that much bigger. Because right now the needle movers have all lost. You've got Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, and Michael Chandler. They've all had recent title shots, it's gonna take some uh manipulation to get them back up into uh championship uh contention again. Unless what if you put Michael Chandler against Islam and then you just immediately that's the the winner of that fight goes on to Abu Dhabi or I don't know about the timing. If if Oliveira could fight Dariush sometime this summer and then Abu Dhabi comes around. You could put uh, Islam versus Chandler there. Um, and then by that time, you've got a whole bunch of other, this whole like next tier of uh, of fighters, the Fazeeves, the Gillespie's, the Gamrots, um, and Sarukians have worked their way up now into... Um, fighting some of these other needle movers to get uh, uh, Gaethje, uh, Poirier, uh, potentially to get up into that um, main event headliner spot, uh, championship fight contention spots, um, and also just wanted—I haven't heard anyone talk about. I was watching the PFL briefly, and I was really surprised for them to cut to the announcers and see AJ McKee rocking a PFL shirt, talking about. Just, you know, doing some analysis for them, uh, it seemed like a very interesting move by him. Uh, So, um, have a good Friday, man.
2: Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, the the AJ thing was kind of bizarre. I remember watching that live as we were doing the UFC 274 preview show and rocking the PFLT and everything, and they put him on the broadcast, which is, listen, AJ McKee, smart move. Doing that, he got people talking. He's I don't know. He's trying to boost his profile a little bit. Uh, and he's saying the right things. He had a little scrum afterwards and said that he's not done at 145 like he said. He kind of walked back those comments and that he wants to fight Pitbull again for the third time. And, I mean, th- that's obviously the fight to make. Just run it back for a third time. Just put a stamp on this whole thing and then we can go from there. I don't know what AJ's contract situation looks like right now I have no idea it seems like he's got I think two more fights maybe three um yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens after those couple of fights I don't know if there's another champion's clause if he wins the title back I would hope certainly hope not because he was already in one which extended his contract so hopefully they don't re-extend it again but McKee will be a very interesting free agent and that fight with Pitbull if they make it that third fight Biggest fight of his career, 1,000%. Because this guy was probably the most coveted p- potential free agent in the sport at the time, outside of maybe Kayla Harrison. But Kayla resigned with PFL. But AJ was probably at the top of that list, considering where his contract was. And then he went out and lost that fight. And I know people thought it was close. I know people who bet on AJ McKee are going to say that they're going to go to the grave saying AJ McKee won that fight. Uh, I would say he didn't win that fight. I watched that fight now three times and I feel like Pitbull won all three times, 48, 47. The last two watches, the first watch I had a 49, 46 Pitbull, but close fight. It wasn't like Pitbull blew the doors off him, but he won the fight. And now pit, now AJ McKee is in a very interesting spot, especially with this contract where it is right now. I, I, would assume Bellator is going to make him a big offer, but if he doesn't beat Pitbull the second time in this third fight, when they actually make it, boy, talk about a guy who entered the year with with high hopes, with everybody wanting him, one of the big names on the free agent market. The UFC probably looks at him like, look what we did with Michael Chandler, look look at the star he became. Maybe we could do the same with AJ McKee, but his stock clearly dropped with that loss to Pitbull. It definitely did. So we'll see what happens if they book a third one. But, yeah, it was interesting to see him on the broadcast for sure. Hendo Slice. What's up, buddy?
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov, and Cedric the Best Dumbay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US, and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: As Same to you, Mike. Uh, so, I,
7: I love the show, and uh, part of the thing I love so much about it is, like, the call-in nature of it. I grew up in New York with, like, the schmooze and Mad Dog and all that, and and just getting, getting these wild takes from the public. And then someone like you can kind of tell us if we're completely crazy or maybe just a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? so I got one of those takes about the, the Rose fight because I had a feeling something weird was going to happen going into that fight because they just known each other for so long. And as far as it about to get married, you know, and I was thinking, What if they had some sort of like we always hear about like gentlemen's agreements, you know, like this will be a stand up fight or like don't attack my knee or something like that. What if they had some sort of agreement, like just don't strike too hard, like don't hurt each other too, too bad. And and maybe it wasn't like a fix or anything, but maybe Rose thought she was winning. And then with that in mind as well, she just like didn't really want to strike as much because of that relationship. I haven't really heard people talk about that that much, so I just felt like maybe she just thought she was winning and was like, "All right, I can just get away with this, and everyone can be chill." And so, what what do you think? Totally crazy, or maybe did it have a little of effect?
2: Wow, that is uh, yeah, that is that is quite the take. I don't even I don't even know how to respond to that, and I don't mean that in a bad way because. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm befuddled, Henderson. Ender slice you, uh, you, you left me without speech here. I would say that's probably not the case, but I mean, maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's a little bit of truth in that. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be an interesting question to ask, to ask Rose or Pat Berry. I mean, it would, we would have to wait 55 minutes for the actual answer to that question, but I think we would, uh, it would be an interesting topic. Wow. Didn't even really think about that. Maybe they had the uh, the Shawn Michaels, Rick Martel SummerSlam deal where they just couldn't punch each other in the face. I don't know. Old school wrestling fans would know what I'm talking about, but very interesting, uh, positive spin on a fight that was not very positive. I like it. Let's get Ryan Robinson in here. We go from Henderson to Robinson. What's up, buddy? Yes, sir. I can hear you. What's happening? Can you hear me? No, I can't hear you. Now I can hear you. What's up? Sorry. Can you I hear, hear me? You? What's going on? Okay, sorry. Perfect. Hey. Wow, way better. Um
9: so I I was wondering about um I, I don't know if anyone asked this if so someone did. I'm sorry. I've been uh, dealing with family in between my morning get up. So, um so you just mentioned a little bit ago uh, Gillespie. I don't hear anyone practically talking about him and his last fight was absolutely amazing and uh, I don't think people really talk about that. That, that grappling match was uh, outstanding and I, and I want to see him fight um, but he keeps it, I remember I, I know he's done some interviews recently saying like he will only fight up I feel like he's about to get the the Leon Edwards treatment where he just kept saying no, kept saying no, kept saying no. And then they just take him out. Um, and I don't, I don't see anyone ahead of him who's really going to be willing to take a fight with him because he's not flashy and almost everyone ahead of him expects someone flashy. It, it seems like, um, well, what, what are your thoughts on where he is, is going, and do you see the UFC pulling him from the rankings?
2: Uh, thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's – it's. I mean, the, the only – I got to look I – mean, let me just pull up the rankings real quick. Um, pull up the UFC rankings as well. Pull up the only rankings that truly matter, which is the MMA fighting rankings – first and just see where we have gregor gillespie and then we'll take a look at the lightweight one uh greg gillespie number nine in our rankings and i believe he's the same in the ufc rankings no he's number eight in the ufc rankings so yeah he's in an interesting spot because he he kept calling for the tony fight and now tony's right below him i wonder how he would react to being off for tony ferguson now if you got to offer Tony Ferguson in his next fight? Is he going to say no because Tony Ferguson is behind him? I have a super hard time believing that. RDA booked. Benil, kind of out of the discussion right now, but maybe booked against Islam. Chandler's not going to fight Gillespie, although that'd be an insane fight. Then he have Makachev, Gaethje, Poirier, Oliveira. He's just in a spot where like, and here's the thing. we, we He was on a nice run in the UFC. But not that long ago, two fights ago, he got colded badly by Kevin Lee at UFC 244, and I was there. That was an unbelievable knockout. That's a highlight reel. That's a Baba O'Reilly knockout. What I mean by that is, when they, if you go to a UFC event and they play Baba O'Reilly, they play like some of the best highlights in, in, in UFC history. The crowd amps for the main card. That is a Baba O'Reilly special right there. Kevin Lee, the overhand right to that nasty head kick. And that was two fights ago. The CDF fight was crazy. That was a great fight, great performance. But CDF is, where where is he right now? Is he even ranked? He's not even ranked anymore. So CDF's not ranked. That win was just a crazy fight, but it doesn't age all that well. The Kevin Lee knockout actually aged a lot better. Gillespie's just in a tough spot. He has to fight. The man just has to fight. He wasn't getting the Ferguson fight at the time because where's the value for Tony Ferguson? Not much. And I, he, I, from what I understand, he was in the discussion to fight Armand Saroukian. I don't know how those discussions went. I don't know. Um, but from one account, he just said, no, I'm not fighting this guy. I want to fight in front of me. And you know what? I don't blame him. I don't blame him for not fighting Armand Saroukian because I think, like I said before, I think Armand Sarukyan is going to be the lightweight champion by 2024. I really do. He's got to get his opportunity, and when he gets it, he's going to win. I don't care who he fights. Of course, he's got a tough fight with Matush Gamrot. I think that fight's going to be insane, but I think Sarukyan will win that fight. Yeah, Gillespie's in a tough spot, man. He's just got to fight. He just has to fight at this point, and he's just got to take anything that that is... I mean, he's got to take anything that's come... Like, if they offer him, like, a Dan Hooker or something, I'm sure he's not saying no to Dan Hooker. If something happens before the RDA for fight and he gets a call, he should probably say yes. That's just kind of where he's at right now. He's just got to fight. He's had two fights in almost three years. He fought in November, two thousand. The, the Kevin Lee fight was November, 2019 and we didn't see him again until May of 2021. And that was the, and we haven't seen him since. So it's been a year. We're over a year now since we've seen him fight. He's got to get in there and fight. If he wants to move up the rankings, he's got to get a little more active, especially in this division, because some of these young bucks, these killers, are going to pass him by, and it's it's going to happen quickly. Let's get Final Clef. I don't know if I got that right, but I did the best I could. Phonetic Spelling. Let's see if we got the wheel spinning. I don't know if we're going to – oh, make sure you got Mute. Let's see if we got him. Lionel Clef, are you there?
4: Yes, I'm. There you go. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Good day. What's up? Good day. I was just asking. If I don't know if you were thinking same thing, but I think the best option for Charles Oliver as now is the Islam's Islam's um Islam's role or something. They are the best chances that can take that title from him. And if they can't do it, I think Khabib should come out of retirement and take a fight to Oliveira. I don't know what your take on that.
2: Thank you, Final Clef. Listen, you like I said many times, you can make a very strong case that Islam is the guy. My case is, let's get him one more win. Let's ha- let's do the Darius fight. And if he wins that fight, then there's no it's a no-brainer he's the guy. I know my man AK, who is in here, has been on – the road of advocation, if you will, for all roads leading to Habib coming back and fighting Charles Oliveira. And what's the best way for that to happen? You book Oliveira versus Islam. If he goes out there and beats Islam, winning streak continues on. We're getting close to Habib's UFC record in terms of consecutive wins. Will that be enough to compel Habib Nurmagabadov to come out of retirement? Now, if he doesn't beat it if he beats islam maybe habib needs to get one back for the uh, for the squad if you will but i don't know It's like the like go west maybe ak is the king of wishful thinking but i think that's probably the best chance we get him back is if Oliver goes out there and just stunts on islam which boy that's it that's a big if that's a big if I want to see that fight. I'm very intrigued by that fight, but I want that fight to be as big as it can possibly be, if that makes sense. Because I think that is sort of, I think that is the road that we're on. It's just a matter, it's just a matter of how quickly we want to get to it. Do we want to just drive 100 miles an hour to the road, or do we want to stop and look at the Grand Canyon first, look at the beauty for all that it is, and then do the fight? Either way, we're going to get to where we're going to go. It's just a matter of how quickly we want to get there. Is it going to be? Do we take a plane there, or do we take the National Lampoon's Vacation route, where we're in the we for- we're in the uh, the family truckster, and it takes us a long time to get to where we need to go, but eventually we get to Wally World, and there's some hijinks and adventures along the way. Let's get Jimmy Wang Yang in the chat. Jimmy, what's up? Just make sure you unmute. Mike, how you doing? Jimmy, what's going on, man? I'm good. How you doing? Tremendous. Tremendous.
3: Yes. So I just wanted to ask, I know we have all this excitement about Charles and the lightweight division, which is supposed to be, but has anybody talked about the bantamweight division? And did anybody see DC drop a video with Al Jermaine and Cejudo sitting right across from each other? Anybody excited about that?
2: Oh, Jimmy! You you said you said the magic word. You said the magic word. You said Cejudo. I can't believe you did it. I cannot believe you went there. Good lord! How dare you? If you... I'm just joking. I mean, first of all, let me let me talk about the lightweight division here, real quick, before we get to bantamweight, because I love talking about the bantamweight division. I know AK loves to talk about the bantamweight division. The UFC has. I don't know why this hasn't been really brought up that much. The UFC is a really fun opportunity right now. They could do like some kind of a tournament here. I mean, there's so many ways we could go about this. We could have so much fun with this situation. So that's just another option we could throw out there as well. As far as the Bantamweight division goes, as far as Henry Cejudo goes, God, I'm so tired of talking about this man. I still don't care that he's coming back. I don't care that he's standing across from Eljamain Sterling because DC set it up. I know the relationship DC has with Cejudo's manager and all of that. And I'm sure that that contributed to this this thing being put together. I don't want Henry Cejudo sliding into a title shot. I don't. I just don't. I still do not care that he's coming back. I still do not care. It has gone over like a fart in church, this entire situation. It really has. He left the UFC high and dry. And before the night was over, after everything the UFC went through to put on a card, all of that, their minds were racing. Dana White went to the press conference immediately after Henry Sehuda retired and said, okay, he's gone. Piotr Jan's going to fight for the title next. Okay. Now, if it was anybody else, it, uh, it, if there was most champions in other divisions, that's not happening. In this case, Dana was ready to move on before the night was over. So, that's that. Will I be happy if Henry Cejudo becomes a player in this division and actually fights? Yes. Do I think he should fight Aljamain Sterling first? No. Get him in there. I want to see how serious this man is. I want to see how serious he is. Fight Cheeto Vera. Fight Marab. Fight one of those two guys. You go in, you fight one of those two guys, and you win – I will come on this show and I will spend an hour praising Henry Cejudo for for, for doing those things. I will. And I've ripped on him for this entire time that he's announced the comeback. You want to know why? Because he has floated this idea in front of us the entire time and nobody has cared at all. Competitively, resume-wise, the guy is unbelievable. I will give him that. He has accomplished a lot in combat sports. The gold medals, the championships, the guy left at the wrong time. He was just about, he was probably another two wins away from getting over that hump to being in that position where he could retire and say, thanks for the cheese, give me more money. And the UFC would have been like, okay. But this is one of the all-time great blunders in MMA history for a fighter who was that good to just walk away at that time thinking he had power. He had none. I don't. I still don't think he has any power here. So, cool, him and Aljamain got into a room. And I'm sure Aljo's thinking, yeah, cool, this would be a fine fight, sure. But, I mean, do you think if Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo headlines a pay-per-view, it's doing more than 300,000 buys, maybe 400,000? That's a brand buy, by the way. This past Saturday's pay-per-view did uh, reportedly 400,000 buys. You think Henry Cejudo being in a main event fighting for the Bantamweight title is going to do any more than that? Absolutely not. It might do worse. It might do worse. It's an interesting fight. But again, I want to see if this man's serious. And I think he kind of owes it to the UFC to show how serious he is by fighting a contender, by fighting a dangerous contender. You want Aljo? Beat his boy. Go beat Marab. You beat Marab? I will drive you to the airport to fight Aljamaid Sterling. But until that happens, don't talk to me about Cejudo fighting for titles. It's He's not a big enough draw to get there. Yeah, he's a, he's the king who gave up his crown, but you got to show me something. You get TJ Dillashaw, who's winning fights. I mean, he didn't really beat Corey Sandhagen, but it, technically it's a win. The drug thing. Jose Aldo. I mean, Jose Aldo. You're telling me that Henry Cejudo, after quitting after leaving the UFC high and dry, that he deserves the right to leap over Jose Aldo? Get out of here. Get out of here with that crap. Absolutely not. Go fight Cheeto. Go fight Marab. You do that. You win. I will come on this show, and the very first thing I should say, I will say, is Henry Cejudo fights Aljamain Sterling for the Bantamweight title. Do it now. I'm on board. I'm driving the train if that happens. But if you're really going to come back, you're really going to do this? Show everybody you're serious about it, because I get where the UFC is coming from. He could very well go in there and fight Aljo, win the title, and guess what? Do the same thing again, and just say peace. I want more money. I'm out of here. I am getting hundred percent where the UFC is coming from, and I hundred percent. And I don't say this that often. I agree with Dana White. I agree with the pettiness here, one thousand percent. So. Not interested in that fight. If it happens, yeah, I'll watch it, but I'm uh, Dihan Aldo deserve it more than than Zahudo does in my opinion. Zahudo has to go out there and and just prove that he's serious about this. Go fight a dangerous guy on our streak, a dangerous contender. If you beat Marab, you got a story cause you beat Aljamain's guy. And if you beat Marlon Vera, kudos to you, man, because that's a that's a great win. It'll age very well. Just go fight somebody else, then fight for the title. That's it. That's how I feel about it. Let's get motivated, Andy. In here, maybe not. Maybe uh, motivated Andy was not motivated. Maybe he's a Henry Cejudo fan. I don't know. All right. Just like at your local, at uh, your local dive bar, this is last call. Motivated Andy. Let's see if we can get
5: him in here. There he is. Good morning. Henry, why you got to agree with Dana? Hey, hey, I completely agree with you. He screwed the pooch, shat on the bed and and to say something. But wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun, though, to see Henry go out there and win and just kind of do it all over again and ruin everything for the UFC for a little bit. I feel like everything. What just... does he ruin? He ruins nothing for them. He ruins nothing. I know, but it just, I mean, I'm starting to agree with everybody. It seems so sterile now with the apex. I want to see some weird goofy fights. I want to see Henry versus Volk. I want to see, I-, I don't know, just something. Instead, we're getting another interim title match with Brandon Moreno and Kaikara France after Davison won it like, Four months ago, I don't know. It's just it's starting to seem recycled for a fan that's been watching for a minute, and then it's like, oh, just Apex, and then maybe we get one on the road. I don't know. I just want some chaos. I don't know.
2: I appreciate that. Listen, I I invoked the chaos clause for UFC 274, and and I like chaos, but I like I I'm like just a gaetje. I like controlled chaos. If you take me out of that element, then you know, all all bets are off and, and I get uncomfortable. But the Sahudo thing, it's like, if there's, I, I see a, a few women in here as well. Let's just say you are dating somebody for a very long time and they're telling you that you're the one. I'm going to marry you. We're going to get married. We're going to spend the rest of our lives together. And then a year goes by and then two years go by and then three years go by and you're waiting for that ring to come flashing out every time you go out to eat. And guess what? It doesn't. What are we doing here? What are we doing? You got to show me. You got to give me that commitment. I get, I need that bling. Put a ring on it. I don't believe you. Eventually, it gets to the point where you're just like, golly, how many times are you going to say this and then not actually do it? That's how I feel about Henry Silverado. I want him back. Like, it's a guy who likes... Competition, I want him back. But just stop teasing us with it. Just come back and fight somebody. And don't play this game where if I don't get a title fight, I'm not fighting. Then don't fight. Then go back to what you were doing. Go back to commentating Eagle FC cards. Because that's hilarious. But come on, man. Come on. Just go fight Cheeto. Cheeto. I will have so much respect, and I think a lot of other people have so much respect if he's just like, you know what, Aljo, I'm coming, Volk, I'm coming. Let me fight this guy. Let me fight this guy. It seems like 35 is the place to be. I don't think he's, I don't think he's getting a shot at 45. I think Volkanovski beats the hell out of him. I don't think that fight's even all that competitive. we for being honest, I, it, and this is not, this is not a knock on Sahudo's abilities to compete. I just think Volkanovski is that good. I just think he's that good. I don't know if anybody's going to beat this guy. I just don't. But show me something. Go fight Marlon Vera. It's a winnable fight for Cerruto. I would favor Cerruto to win that fight, but it's a tough dog fight with a guy who you can't hurt, you can't rattle Cheeto, you can't hurt him, you can't do anything. But I would still pick Cejudo to at least win a decision in that fight, and then on the other, and then we got Marab on the other side, who's just a he's a freaking robot. He's the Terminator. You can hit this guy as hard as you can. He's like you might wobble him, but he's gonna come back. Those are the two fights for Cejudo. One of those two, and then you're good to go. And then there's no more questions. There's no more doubt. We know you're serious, bro. The ring is on the finger. We have a wedding date set. We know we're heading down the aisle. But put the ring on the finger first. Put the ring on the finger first. Right now, so who just needs to go to the damn jewelry store? One step at a time. Get in the car, drive to the jewelry store. Pick out the rock. Let's just go there. Start there. But you can't be acting like the rock's already on the finger. Because it's not. Well, with that being said. Thank you for listening, everybody. He had to say the name. He had to say the name. And got me onto a tangent. With, uh at the end of the program. So just a reminder, my man AK, who's on the chat right now, who's just hanging out with us, him and I will be going live noon Eastern on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Our man Jose Young's in Las Vegas right now. We'll be bringing you coverage of the UFC Vegas 54 weigh-ins. So stay tuned for that. That'll go till about 2 p.m. Eastern. And then we'll take a little break, a little lunch break, if you will. 3 p.m. Eastern, preview show for UFC Vegas 54 goes down on the YouTube channel. So stay tuned for that. Then we'll have your coverage of Bellator 281 MVP versus Logan Storley interim welterweight title. And then tomorrow, the latest kickoff to a people's pre-fight show. I think we've ever done because we have a 7:30 Eastern prelim ta- start time for UFC Vegas 54. So 7 PM Eastern will be live for the people's pre-fight show, taking your questions all the way up until the first two fighters enter the cage and they're being introduced. Then we'll have the press conference. Then we'll have the post-fight show. And then AK and I are back on Sunday for On to the Next One. So a busy weekend ahead of us. And it all started here. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your Friday the 13th. And have a heck of a morning, everybody.